را گیر نکنیم در فرودست انگار کفتری میخورد Let's not muddy the brook Perhaps a pigeon is drinking water at a distance آب را گیر نکنیم Or perhaps in a farther thicket a goldfish is washing her feathers Or a pitcher is being filled in a village Let's not muddy the brook Sound Minds Radio, getting you behind the research and ideas in contemporary life. This episode produced by Michael Schubert. Sound Minds Radio, part of the Community Radio Network. Soundminds.com.au Our story starts by a watercourse in rural Iran, traverses the world, and explores a stream of research by Dr. Arta Nasrati, chemical engineer. I had a very interesting childhood because I, sometimes I think I'm blessed with having... It wasn't an easy life, but it has helped me to understand lots of things and appreciate lots of things that I wouldn't if I didn't have that kind of childhood experience, if I didn't grow up in rural Iran, at least for a few years, early childhood. Real challenges that even now after 40 years, people are facing around the world. My family lived in a town. In the town, there was electricity, there was tap water, but my grandparents lived in a village, in a village that my parents also grown up there. I was in love with that village. Maybe first five, six years, we lived in that village too. But after that, we moved to a town. Every opportunity that I could find, I would be in the village. I was in love with the nature. Even after my early childhood, I spent most of my time being a teenager still in rural area. I am a chemical engineer by training. I did my bachelor and master degrees in chemical engineering in Iran. I worked in industry as a chemical engineer for six, seven years before migrating to Australia. In Australia, I decided to do my PhD because I, I like to have a local degree. And that degree shifted from chemical engineering to mineral processing. But water being very important uh, and a key parameter in mineral processing, eventually I ended up working on some projects dealing with water whether it is recycling water from mineral processes, dewatering of mineral tailings, I became more interested in water. In this episode, we focus on a naturally occurring element, but one which, despite its abundance, is toxic to humans and is found in water supplies across the world. Arsenic. There are lots of different pollutants currently which exist in drinking water around the world. At some stage, because I got involved with water pollution and removing some dissolved elements from water, I had a deep thought about that and said, okay, let's look at different types of pollutants and their uh, impact. And I was shocked by knowing the fact that today more than 200 million people are drinking water which is naturally contaminated by arsenic. I think that was the major reasons and knowing the consequences of arsenic contaminated drinking water, deadly consequences, I thought this should be my focus. Arsenic does have medical and industrial applications, but it is toxic 
and though it can be absorbed through the skin and lungs, arsenic mainly enters the body from drinking water and eating food cooked in arsenic-containing water. I was not aware of this large scale of the arsenic contamination, especially in some populated regions of the world. I can give you two examples, Bangladesh and Vietnam. I was shocked by knowing that in some regions of those countries, the arsenic concentration in drinking water is 10 to 300 times greater than the global standard. This is a big issue. This is a serious issue. And I am shocked that this hasn't been resolved yet. And still people in those regions are using such contaminated water on a daily basis. They are using it for cooking, they are washing in it, they are drinking it every day. And that is, that is why annually thousands of them are unfortunately dying as a result of deadly consequences. I don't think arsenic can disappear from water naturally because it, it is kind of chemical that might change its form from you know one state to another through oxidation and reduction reactions, some chemical reactions. It really depends on the chemical, physical, environmental and even biological conditions of the water body, which defines in what form arsenic you know, stays in water. If you go to a village with a few different wells and take water from them, their properties may not be exactly the same. Different wells might have different you know, chemical properties of water. These are the major challenges. At this stage, you might be wondering, how does arsenic get into the water? Is my water safe to drink? And are there any methods available for removing arsenic from water? Arsenic is a naturally occurring toxic element which exists in air's crust. And it might be surprising for some people to know that it is the 20th most abundant element in nature. So it is not a rare element, it is really abundant in nature. Arsenic finds its way into water. The main way is when groundwater moves and filters through arsenic-containing rocks, because most of the rocks in Earth's crust contain arsenic in large concentrations. And when Water in deep underground water flows through those rocks and filters through them arsenic-containing compounds, pure arsenic and arsenic-containing compounds, dissolving that water. And that is why when such water is being you know, taken from deep wells, you, know, you can see high concentrations of arsenic. Just for the record, governments in Australia and in the developed world set very low limits for arsenic and the typical arsenic level in Australian drinking water, where this program is made, is very low. And dietary intake from vegetables, fish and poultry, again, very low. But what about removing arsenic from water at an industrial level? I can give a few examples of well-known technologies, which include ion exchange, membrane filtration, flocculation, coagulation, and absorption. So there has been a lot of studies in the past, and such uh, technique, technologies and methods you know, have been used for a long time. So in terms of whether there are existing technologies to remove arsenic from water, the answer is yes. But the problem is that those technologies are often very expensive. They require a lot of skilled operators. 
and unfortunately some of them create some toxic sludge or waste that itself needs further treatment so those technologies are not in a form or shape that can be taken to those rural areas in countries like Bangladesh and Vietnam or some other other some other regions of the world and be used easily and simply this is the major challenge one is the economic one is the technological challenge now comes the thinking that goes on behind the scenes. Arta is a chemical engineer who ended up working with water, contaminated water, and he developed methods to decontaminate water containing copper. And he got to wondering about how he could apply those same methodologies and technologies and use readily available, naturally occurring compounds to remove arsenic from drinking water. We developed a new material by simply taking a naturally available mineral particle, which is diatomaceous airs, and modifying it with a polymer, which we know that has high affinity towards copper. So we could uh, develop a material which, when we disperse that material in water which contained copper, it selectively removed copper from that water very easily and very quickly. That was the point that inspired me. Well, if we can develop such material for industrial applications, for removing copper, there should be some other functional groups that we can bound to the surface of this mineral and then develop a new adsorbent which can remove arsenic from water. What I'm working on, we call this a hybrid adsorbent, which is made of an inorganic and organic compound. Inorganic compound is diatomaceous earth, or we call them D particles. They are actually fossilized remains of some microorganisms, which are called diatoms. They are safe and they are non-toxic and they are abundant in nature. We can just take them from nature, grind them, purify them and use them as a substrate. This is the one major piece of the new material. But the key element here is finding the right polymers, which we can put these polymers on the surface of these D particles to make the hybrid adsorbent. The key is in developing a new system or new adsorbent, which is not only cheap to use, the main factor should be how easily it can be used by individuals. I think the solution is developing a small scale systems or materials that individuals or even you know separate families can take those and use it the technique or the technology or the method should be that easy and simple and safe and affordable understand the water they did not muddy the brook we also must not muddy the brook Arta is reading from one of Iran's most beloved poets, a poem called Water. You can listen to the full version on the Soundbinds website, and also Arta's rendering in both Farsi and English. Now back to the search for a polymer. You know, polymers standing alone, they might have different, you know, behavior in terms of arsenic binding or affinity to arsenic. When they become immobilized on the surface of the particle, they might show very different properties. So 
The question here is one, what are the you know, appropriate polymers? One example that we are going to test is chitosan, which is a naturally available and biodegradable polymer. It is safe. The good thing about the uh, chitosan is, is, is being safe. But its affinity towards uh, arsenic has been proven. But we want to know if we take chitosan and immobilize it on the surface of bee particles. We are using two ingredients from Mother Nature. Both of them are available in nature. Both of them are safe, non-toxic. So I would be very interested to see how this hybrid, first, the challenge is how to effectively modify the surface of bee particles with chitosan and to see under what conditions this new adsorbent, I would call it hybrid adsorbent, which is inorganic D particles and organic chitosan, how this is going to behave when it is in water which contains arsenic. Sometimes there, there, there are needs for post-treatment of those arsenic contaminated sludge or waste streams. And that is something that needs to be taken into account when developing new methods. In, in the study that I'm interested in, this new material, interestingly, it doesn't uh, produce a sludge because the absorbent itself, the arsenic stays with the absorbent and the absorbent can be separated from water. To whether it is going to be recyclable or reusable, I don't have an answer for that yet. I mean, I'm doing other types of research as well, but this is where my passion also lies. Unfortunately, I'm sh I think that this issue is not going to be resolved within a few years in the future. People like me who are working on small scale projects, we can take our time and have a good look at the problem and try different ways. What needs to be innovative here is the simplicity and effectiveness. If, if that can happen, hopefully someday, that means that every individual in rural areas, no matter in which community, they, they can easily use it and hopefully it will save lives in future. Sound Minds Radio, getting you behind the research and ideas in contemporary life. Part of the Community Radio Network soundminds.com.au